growing up was kind of strange. Uh, and it was kind of strained in ways where um, I talk about sometimes, and you all read it in the book, but I talk about how, you know, they kind of like, after they divorced, they kind of separated. And, you know, divorce is literally a separation of, and it's, it's not healthy for anyone. It's literally a, a, a splitting of souls and that's hard to go through. And so they had to deal with that in whatever way that they could, you know, but um, it was, it, I think we kind of ended up as kids getting the, 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 the brunt of it in a way because, you know, they had to try to figure out and rebuild. And, um, and so I'm not, you know, I'm not making excuses or anything because it is what it is. But um, our relationship was strained for many, many years. Um, and in many ways, we have really grown. Uh, I, I, because, and the part of the reason why I would say we've grown to be in a better place is because I've grown to be in a better place because I was very intentional once I actually went through certain levels of healing and I'm still progressing in area in many areas but once I reached certain levels of healing I was very intentional about me wanting to have a relationship with them because for many many years my unforgiveness that I had down on the inside of me prevented me from being able to have a relationship with them and so um, when I made the decision, I believe I was about 15, 16 years old to really start to kind of like forgive them and let certain things go. When I made that decision, then I became more open to developing relationships with my parents wherever they were. And then now as an adult, I have an even better relationship with them, especially after going through therapy and after really kind of like really cultivating my relationship with God as well, because that's very important. Because if I, I couldn't really get my relationship correct with God, because I didn't have a good relationship with my earthly father. So I couldn't really see God as a heavenly father, as a, fa a parent figure, because I wasn't even trusting my natural parents. You know, I wasn't even being very loving to my natural parents. I wasn't allowing myself to forgive them or not still harboring unforgiveness in my heart. So it was hard for me to have a connection with God in that way because I couldn't really get grasp the idea of having a connection with them. So once I started to kind of, even with my grandmother, the one, my grandmother raised me, but I even had a bit of a strained relationship with her. I was still harboring negative emotions even in that relationship. Well, once I started to free myself up from all of those different things, and the way that I started doing that is I wrote letters. Because once again, going back to writing, being very cathartic for me, I wrote my grandmother an email. I wrote her a letter and I just said everything that I felt and it was met with so much love and so much grace. And that kind of healed us into another level. Um, and it's not to say that we had a bad relationship, but now we have an even better relationship because now I think that she kind of understands me as a, more of an adult now. And then she also read my book as well. So she really knows more, <laughs> but, you know, and I was, you know, I was never, you know, I tried not to ever be dishonest with my grandmother, but I definitely kept some information to myself. You know, because I just was like, look, I, you know, I feel comfortable sharing all my business like that with my parents. But, but our relationship has even, that relationship has healed even more. And then I wrote my father a letter as well. And then me and my father had the talk that we needed to have. And that relationship has been healing. And we're better because he's better. And then also with my mom, I remember telling my counselor, I was like, I have never in my life 
had a conversation with my mother or had a phone conversation or any type of long phone conversation with my mother for the first time in my life, I believe it was this year, during the pandemic, for the first time in my life, I had a like a four hour conversation with my mother. Never, never has happened. And so I had that with her this and so we had our moment. Now we still have some more moments that we need to have because there's still some things that we know, you know, we need to work out. But for us to even do that, that was so much growth. And so my relationship with my parents now is probably the best it's ever been um, for me. Um, and there's still, of course, some areas of and some room for growth because as I progress, you know, my relationships progress as well. So I'm still walking into my wholeness and walking into that and, you know, letting, just letting things go. Because you have to get to a point where you just really just let stuff kind of just let it go and stop letting things harbor. And then some things you might not ever get an explanation for. And that's, so we do ourselves a disservice if we think that we're going to always get our parents or we're going to get some type of explanation for every little thing that has ever happened to us. Sometimes some things you just don't have to just chalk it up to the game, let it go, give it to God and lay your burdens down and and move forward because that's the only way that you can be progressing and so yeah so we're doing great we're doing wonderful I think that like I said this is probably the best um relationship or the strongest relationship we've ever had and as an adult and I think part of that is because as I've become an adult I understand them more deeply in a way that I could have never understood when I was younger because what they don't teach you is that parenting doesn't come with the blueprint. It doesn't. Like, there is, you, we have all of these different playbooks. We have all of these different parenting books, all of these different things out there. But you can read all the literature in the world. It's still like you, it doesn't come with instruction. You know, you, you know, you go in the room, you do what you got to do. But then when you have the baby, it's you and that child, and you have to, and what, what people fail to realize is those people bring all of their issues and whatever they got going on with them into their parenting, and if you haven't really taken the time to really have a good relationship with God and really kind of like you take the time to deal with you and work out your healing, then you bringing all of that stuff into your parenting, and by proxy or by uh, by accident you might transfer some of that trauma onto your kid and so um a lot of that kind of happens sometimes when it when it happens sometimes when it comes to those parental and child relationships and a lot of that i think did kind of show up for me because you you find throughout the book and i don't want to talk about it as much but you do find that there are certain like as i have conversations with my parents there are certain like what we call generational curses as christians that show up and they never really had an outlet to talk about it but when I start asking questions I find out oh you dealt with these things too and so yeah rightfully so that these things will try to come knocking at my door now and so having those conversations not today same okay (laughs) but being able to have those conversations with my parents now as an adult versus when I was younger helps me to learn from some of their mistakes so that I could be a better functioning person in society. My parents, like I told you, my parents are still sorry, girls, some type of like uh, fruit flies. I'm flying around. That's why I'm squatting. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so as I say, that's why I said my parents are still parenting me because I ask questions. <laughs> I mean, 
so many. So Brie, I think this is also another good segue. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded of a meme and it's, it's of Oprah giving away her favorite thing or what have you to the mm -hmm. audience. But instead in the caption, it says, you need therapy, you go to therapy, you go to therapy, you need therapy, <laughs> everybody needs therapy. <laughs> oh, and you've talked about it. Uh, you, you mentioned it here. So let's, let's dig into that a little more about the importance of therapy, why you might recommend it to others, and your, even your just philosophy on therapy and the Black church, to be specific. And I, you know, sometimes I have my feelings about saying the Black church, but we have yeah. something we need to address. Yeah, we do. That you it, know, it's exclusive or mutually exclusive to other groups who may believe. Yeah. But the Black church slash Black people mm -hmm. have, have a, a history. issue. Yeah, a history mm -hmm. where we're not trying to go to therapy like Oprah is telling us in the meme. So exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because I'm glad you mentioned that because me and my grandmother actually had a kind of conversation a little bit about, you know, not not too much, but we had a little bit of a conversation about that chapter. And um, it's called uh, Can't Pray It Away, Girl Go to Therapy. <laughs> we had a little bit of a discussion about it. And I don't think we disagreed on that topic in regard, but, you know, I had my way of dealing with it. And then, of course, she has her way of, you know, understanding and and I wanted, really wanted her to read it because I also wanted to make sure that the context that I was saying about, you know, content for us going to therapy is also meshing that with Christianity, that it meshed well. So I, of course, went to the expert, you know, who has, who's ex, uh, expert in theology. And I wanted to make sure that I was coming across in a way that wasn't offensive to others, first off. But yes, I absolutely agree. We, there is a taboo, as we call it, taboo or there's a history in the African-American culture about when, if you're going to therapy, that means you're crazy. And you can't be crazy because you have to be strong. And Black people are strong, so that means that we don't need therapy. And then, or there's this concept, of course, when you talk about the church is, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus paid it all. Jesus takes care of everything. So that don't mean, you don't need therapy. What do you mean? Go to Jesus, go, to, go pray, go talk to the Lord. Now that I do agree with, though, I agree that we still need to go talk to God. We still need to, we have to have a relationship with God. We have to talk with him. We really do need to go to God in prayer. But as I say in that, in that chapter, and as I stress, stress so much in that chapter, pray, but go to therapy. Because we forget that one of God's names is Wonderful Counselor, which means that he has inserted that gift into the earth, which means that there are people who are strategically equipped because there are Christian counselors. I want to put that out there. There are Christian counselors. So he has strategically insert, you know, put that, poured out that, that gift into the earth. So there are people out there who have more of a licensed and educated approach to help you navigate and deal and sort out all of the different things that you might be dealing with. And I, I think in the book, I talk about how that Stop bothering your pastor at two, three in the morning, calling him, talking about, you know, how that one time your mom sent the dog to the farm. Your pastor don't want to hear that at two or three o'clock in the morning. Like, stop calling them. <laughs> Let them people, because they're still, you know, they have families, they have things, and there should be boundaries there. Now, some pastors are licensed counselors. Some pastors are licensed therapists. And then also we want to talk about the history, because I know sometimes we kind of like, 
we 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 like to always give each other as black people we we ride each other so much and we give each other a bad name but let's talk about the history of it as well part of the reason why counseling and therapy is taboo is because we also have had a history of not having access we have a history of not having um that type of that just really the access access is the number one thing we didn't have access to it number two the feel of uh counseling and, and dealing with trauma counseling and stuff like that we don't have a whole lot of people even though we're growing there's still a lot of people that don't look like us which means that i might find it hard to find someone who share has or has a semblance of my shared experience and so oftentimes because like as i mentioned in the chapter i asked god specifically for something and so in order for me to really go to get long-term care or whatever that looks like for me i had to have an african-american woman i had to have a christian and i had to have someone that basically that shared they had some semblance of my shared experience because that made me more comfortable to even be able to open up to share and so there is it is hard trying to find a place for us to be able to have that safe space and that outlet. But I definitely recommend it. I am an advocate for it because I do believe that people need to, you talk, we, we go to an eye doctor. I went to the eye doctor today, check on my eyes. We go and we talk about our body. Let's talk about this mind. Let's talk about this because if we don't deal with a lot of the things that are up here, a lot of this is not, you know, in order or together. And so, um, I'm an advocate because I think that it's necessary. I think that even if you do it like a couple of times, just go see someone. Um, it's not scary. You know, they're there to guide you through. They know that you're going to be nervous. Um, a good place for you to go to look for stuff is therapy for black girls. I think it's .com. That's a good place to start because it's a, a dedicated place for you to find um, African-American, you know, counselors in, in different fields and areas that's local to you. So that's a good place to start. Um, BetterHelp or BetterHealth.com, that's a good place to go. Uh, um, you know, now counseling services are, are, are heightened because of what's going on right now in the world. So I definitely recommend if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling like, you know, you need, you, you just need someone to talk to, I reach out. I recommend you talk to someone um, that's a licensed professional that's equipped to handle and to help you. Um, because, yeah, I, I think that for me, therapy got me to the place where I could write the book and got to me to an extra added place of healing. Um, because I still, even though, you know, I prayed, I had asked God to take some things away. I am an advocate that some things, you know, require extra action. And for me, that extra action for me, and I want to be in, put emphasis on that because some people might still feel some type of way. But for me, that added, extra added layer of action was to go see someone, to really have someone where I could have a safe space to talk about all of the things that I've experienced, all of the things that I've been through, all of the things that, that I have going on. And she has been such a godsend. She really was. She was right in, right in my job. She was close. She was nearby. And um, it was so helpful. And I mean, the work that I've done with her is so much evident. It's so very evident, even in my relationships that I have with others. Because look, I ain't, I'm not nearly the person that I was 
two and a half years ago, three years ago when I went on this journey to to move forward. And so, yeah, I am a, a big advocate, a big one. That's good because you talk about in your book about a lot of things. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. abuse, you mentioned addiction, you mentioned mm-hmm. trauma. I think we talked about trauma bonding. I think you mentioned that in this call. Mm-hmm. You know, you even talked about entanglements. I've been entangled, Jesus. You know, I've oh baby, I was entangled. I was deeply you, entangled. You okay, know, come on, come on. I'm I'm thinking of the song, uh, "Far from the Peaceful Shore." <laughs> it was very, very far, and we all have our entanglements, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that you talking about avenues for working through the trauma working through the abuse you know you even mentioned trigger warning that you have had me too experiences as well and so mm-hmm. all these things are relevant and relatable um, to yeah. people who will be picking up your book or reading it online on the kindle app and i just really am grateful that you mentioned your avenue that helped you find peace that's mm-hmm. helping you overcome and working through bettering yourself bettering your relationships with others around you mm-hmm. but also let's talk about what you mentioned earlier because you said that you couldn't have a right relationship with god because your relationship with your father and parents as an extension mm-hmm. was not quite right so you saw him him in the veil that you saw at that time, your your father, to, for example. And yes, so absolutely. now that you are healing and, 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 and working through these things, and we talk about your faith, and you talk about your faith in these chapters too, and giving scriptures as references, but talk about your faith in all of this. And you have throughout this whole conversation, but speak directly to that and how... Um, how it has benefited you in your seasons of overcoming and your journey to overcome. Absolutely. I, you, you know, Jamie, there was a time where I did not like to talk about me being a Christian. I did not like to talk about my faith um, or really even share my faith. And um, because I wanted to, to fit in in a way into a society that wasn't really necessarily built for me to fit into any, in the first place. Because the word says that we are called apart, we're set apart. And so um, I never really understood what that meant until I really got to a place of healing my human relationships. And it was like, okay, because I remember having a a moment with God and it was uh, within the last year and it really kind of did deal with my father as well. But I was just like, I had gone through all of this, you know, healing and the self-growth and I was doing well and I was feeling good. But then I was still like, wait a minute, there's still something missing. I'm still, there's still a tug here. There's still something that's hindering my progress in a way that's not, that's preventing me from moving forward. And I'm like, God, what? And I, and I'm so, I'm so real with God, girl. We have real, real conversation. And I'm like, what is that? Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit was just revealing to me and he was like, you're really, you're equating your relationship with with God based off of your human relationships. You're literally bringing God down to the level of humanity and that's not who he is. God is a spirit and he operates out the spirit. So you're trying to operate and you're trying to deal with God 
on a natural level when he's he's in the spirit he's just, it's a spiritual thing and i was like oh okay and so when i got that thing right in my head that kind of changed my relationship with him because it was like first off he's never failed me he's never and he never will he's never you know god has never done anything to me per se outside of my um outside of my expectations that I may have had, you know, God has never done anything to me um, that has that has told me that he will leave me, forsake me, none of in his word even says, I will never leave you, forsake you. And God's word has not cannot come back to him void. And so it's just like he says that in his word. He gives us scripture. He tells us, he tells us that he'll be with us in those dark places. And um, he, you know, he tells us that we don't have to have a spirit of fear and that he hasn't given that to us, but he given us power, love and a sound mind. And when I grasped hold of that, the sound mind part, that was beneficial to me in a major way. So, so scripture comes alive in me. And my favorite scripture is um, I press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ. And um, that's in, in Philippians. And so that's my favorite scripture. But what does that, it's like, what does that really mean? Uh, and how does, uh, how do I show up in that? And earlier we had a whole moment, but I'll go back to that moment in where I was talking about God never asked me to be perfect, but he really asked me to be progressing. And, um, you know, we're progressing, we're moving forward in him. He says that, you know, he'll bring us to a place of perfection, but it says that he will. Not that we have to bring ourselves to that place of perfection. How will we? It's, we can't. And that's the thing. We cannot bring our, we can try our hardest, but we cannot bring ourselves to that level of perfection in him. The only person that can do that is him. And so I had to get to that moment to realize like, oh God, I need you more than I thought I did. Because, you know, you get so, you, when you real like religious and you're like real religious and you're a real Christian, it becomes a routine. Oh, I, you know, I know God. God has always been a part of my life. My grandmother, you know, I remember a thing. I had a dream one time and I, I we're, this still is all in the same wheelhouse, so, but I'm segueing a little bit into a, a thing. And I had this dream, I think I was about 11 or 12. I don't know why I still remember this. But I had a dream and it was the, in the dream, there was a snake and, um, the snake was trying to, I was climbing on things and the snake was trying to attack me. And I was calling out to my grandmother. I was like, you know, grandma, help me. Grandma, But she was not coming. And I'm talking about terrified, Jamie. And I mean, you know, like a child would call for their parents to save them. And I'm calling out to her. And I'm like, grandma, come help me, save me. And I, obviously, obviously it was a bad, it was really a nightmare because I remember my grandmother waking me up out of my sleep because I must have been talking or screaming or whatever in my sleep while I was having this dream. And she woke me up out of my sleep. And I, and I remember having the conversation to her while she sat there. And I was like, I was calling you. I was calling you, but you didn't come. You, you wouldn't come. And my grandmother said to me in that moment, she said, baby, you have to know God for yourself. And I was like, what? And I didn't understand that, you know, I understood, but I didn't really understand until now as an adult, what she meant by that. 
I had to develop, I could not, she said, and one other thing she said to me, you cannot rely on my relationship with God to get you through. Amen. You have to have a relationship with him for yourself. Because low-key in the dream, I shouldn't have been calling on her. I should have been, you know, calling God, calling on Jesus, calling on my heavenly father to come help me. And so I'll never forget that when she said, now, my grandma always be dropping these gems, girl. But that was one of the gems she dropped, and I've never forgotten that. And I was like, oh, I know what you mean by that. And when I started to really develop a relationship with God for myself that wasn't built on someone else's foundation, oh, girl, girl. And so, you know, me and God, we, we I, I don't say we have a love-hate relationship. I would say that we've had a relationship where he has had to fully extend his grace. I keep my angels busy, hear me? I keep, I keep them busy. I keep them busy. And, you know, and um, it's amazing how we see in the Bible, because oftentimes religion will have you think that you're supposed to be perfect, that you, when you come to God, you have to be dressed a certain way, you have to act a certain way. And I'm here to tell whoever's watching or whoever will be watching this, that you don't. That God didn't those the clothes restriction all of those things that didn't come from him that was made main main man-made things that we have placed on people that often sometimes keep people out of the church because all of the rules and regulations that we have now i am firm believer in certain we need to have some form of a, a structure but if you're if what you're trying to do or trying to implement is going to keep people from getting to jesus you shouldn't be doing it God never told us to do all of those different things. That's part of the reason why, that's part of the reason why Jesus, because they had become so religious back in that time. That's part of the reason why Jesus went into the temple and started beating people out of there. Come on, flipping tables. He, he was flipping tables because you have taken a place where you were supposed to, where the people were supposed to be able to come to meet with the Father, and you've just, you, you, you've turned it into a, a foolishness. And so there are so many different people in the Bible that God used. He has a history of using imperfect people, like so many people. Like um, we talked about earlier, David. David was imperfect. Peter was imperfect. Peter was racist. Paul was who turned in, who came from Saul, because there's two Pauls in the Bible. I mean, there's two Sauls in the Bible, Saul the king, and then you also have Saul who, who became Paul, who wrote a significant amount of the Bible, he used to be persecuting Christians. He was he was killing them. Um, you know, Noah, after he had built after he built the ark and he went through all of that, he got drunk. He was dancing drunk around the place. His sons had to put the cover on him and walk backwards to get their so God has a history of using so many of these imperfect people to get his work done. Jesus' bloodline is full of murderers and harlots and all of these different people. But he is the one who saved. He died for us. He yet lived, okay? And um, so this is like God. And so I knew that God could use me. You know, at first I didn't think so. But then when you go, and that's why I understand why people say the Bible's boring. Because, baby, the Bible's juicy. Yes, okay? It is. <laughs> the Bible is its own sitcom, babe. When I tell you, if you just go to Samuel, if you just go up in there to farm, you go in there to Samuel, you go all up in through there, you look, David, okay, we're going to have a Bible study moment. David, 
King David, the man that God said was after his own heart. This man was the king now. This man literally killed somebody so that they could have a wife. So he can have a wife. So Bathsheba wasn't his wife. Bathsheba didn't belong to David. She had a covenant. David, first off, was supposed to be off at war, one, out of place, and that's important. When we out of place, we end up in situations, entanglement. Entanglement. Where we ain't, David had an entanglement. We end up over in entanglement when we ain't where we supposed to be. He was out of place. He was supposed Ooh. to be at war. And he ended up on that rooftop, saw that woman naked, and said, whoa, who is that? He sent, knew he was wrong. He sent a servant to go get her and brought her to his palace, had sex with the woman, got her impregnated, then sent for her husband so that he could sleep with her, so that he could try to cover up his sin. Look, and, and that's what we do. We will try to cover up our sin. He went, he went and sent for that man. so he could, And then the man wouldn't sleep with his wife. So he said, okay, well, I got to figure out something else. This man... Spoiler alert. Back, spoiler alert. This man sent this man back out to war, put him on the front line, and killed this woman's husband. So that he... And then, after he did all of that, still ended up without a child. God said, oh, God said, no, we're not doing this. And so that's why it's so important. But God even, but God said that that man was a man after his own heart. David did all of that. That story deals with lying, stealing, cheating, and all of that. And he truly repented. And that's where I was getting to. That's where we're going. And then my favorite part of the story, though, God sent the prophet. So God will send people to come get you out of your mess. Girl. And God sent no. the prophet. And my, this is my favorite part of the story. The prophet starts in talking about this guy. And this, this is how bad David was out here. He was so high and mighty and so full of religion in this moment. This is how bad David was. The prophet came to David and started to talk to David, told him a story. And this is how you know God see gotta be about that life. The prophet telling him a story about a man who did all of these different things and david with his little high mighty said who is he oh he needs to be basically put to death and the prophet said you the man it's you bro you did that and so what david did david did not try to cover up for his mess which what i had did so many times and that's how i ended up in a lot of the situations that i ended up with david didn't try to cover up his mess what he did is he repented he repented from everything that he had done it did even though he repented he still was still left with the consequence of his actions so now let me put that out there just because you you know you repent you ask god for forgiveness you still get that but for some things you might still have to suffer a consequence because there are some situations that god will even give you the grace to not even have to deal with the consequences so i want to put that out there as well but david still had to suffer the consequence of that because what he did was a wrong thing that was the wrong thing. You were literally in adultery with this woman. It was adultery. And, and your so, husband. Yeah, ooh, How to get away with murder. He couldn't even do it. <laughs> okay. That's why I said the Bible is juicy. But God put, I believe God put those types of stories in the Bible. Because baby, when I was a little kid reading that, I said, ooh, make me read this. But it was good. And I was like, but that's one of my favorite Bible stories. And, but 
that even from a kid, that story has stuck with me. For me to see that even that that person, this imperfect person, God could still use, and He used David mightily. Yes, he, did. he used him mightily, and and David literally had no problem with doing the pivot, and he he did a one eighty because we don't want to do a three sixty. A three sixty is you turning back all the way around to the mess that you were dealing with. But he literally did a full turn. He turned and went in the other direction and he changed his behavior. And for me, that's what you will see in the progression of this book. You will see the changed behavior. And so I, that story, I said all of that story to get to this point that, you know, God has been great. My relationship with God is so much better, so much stronger, especially now in 2020. Woo, baby, you know, for those of you who may be listening to this and may not know God, may not know Jesus, um, we would love to extend this moment for you to get to know him because, man, this is the winning team. This is the winning side, you know, and Christianity, I, I don't like to give you this, this rosy colored glasses idea of what Christianity is because that's not what it is. But it really is literally accepting Jesus into your heart and finding a new way of doing things finding a new way of a new level of freedom in your life and having an, a person that you can attach yourself to that you know will have your back 24 7 7 days a week 365 days 366 on the leap year and when I tell you that God has my back every moment every second every minute every whatever of the hour and he has really carried me through some things that I would not have been able to get through on my own God meets me in those quiet places and in those spaces where other people are not around. He meets me in those places where in my, even in my mind that nobody else knows is going on. And so to have a confidant and a friend that will meet you everywhere that you are in your steps of progressing is such a beautiful thing. So I, I, you know, get to know him. And that's part of what I will hope to, for people to see in my book. That's why I waited to almost the very end for them to even know that, you know, I am a minister. And of course we announced it here. So you insider knowledge on that. But um, I waited to the very end to kind of to share that. And part of the reason why I waited to the very end because I wanted you to see the progression. And so the pop names are, are a part of that as well. The beginning on being black, in Christian dealing with mental health and then redemption. I wanted you to see all different aspects of my story, to see that you're not alone in your journey. Um, there are other people that are out you that out there with you that relate, that understand. So, you know, it's okay. And it's okay. And God still loves me. He still gives me grace every fresh and new. Grace, goodness, and mercy is fresh to me every morning. Every single morning that I wake up on this side of heaven, I have that available to me. And so it's, it's, so, it's such a beautiful thing. I, I wouldn't change it. As I always say, one of my mottos is, is that Christianity is a lifestyle because it is. And it's something that you have to choose every single day. We choose other things every single day. Why not choose to live a life with Christ? So that's a, just, and that's just my thing. And I'm going to come back, y'all. Jamie pulling. And we, we're going to come back. We're going to reel it in. Okay. I, I think you covered <laughs> quite a lot here. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about any other takeaways, because that, that was one, the main one that you can 
be and do some really messed up things and god has all the power in his hands to restore you you know the song the old song he got if you got to reach way 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 down (laughs) yes um and so that was one takeaway are there any more takeaways before we we end our session today that you'd love to get across to the people Absolutely. Uh, yes. Um, God, Jesus's blood that he shed for me on the cross justified me back to God. Uh, I want to make sure that that's clear. We can be justified back to God. There is a way. There is a, there is a way, a truth, and a light. And it's in the word of God. <laughs> um, and um, one other major takeaway, I, I think there were two, two, two things there that you don't have to be perfect, just, just try to progress. Um, and then also know that it's okay to say no, that's a big thing. Um, know when it's okay to say that you're not okay. And I had to learn that because um, oftentimes, uh, especially black women, I'm talking about us specifically right now, there is this idea that black women are supposed to always be strong. And strength sometimes really could mean the death of us. Because mm-hmm. even just, and then, um, and so we have to realize where that strength is coming from, what that strength means, and understanding that that strength doesn't mean that you have to live and thrive in dysfunction. Mm-hmm. That that strength doesn't have to mean that you have to be bound you can be free and still maintain a level of strength and know that the, the strength that you're holding on to should be a godly strength, should be something that's coming from you from the spirit. Um, should, of course, you should have a certain level of confidence, not arrogance, but confidence within yourself and things of that nature. And so I learned that I didn't have to be strong in the way that I thought was the strength. Because strong for me meant that I lived my life in silence. It meant that I suffered silently. It meant that I was angry and bitter. It meant that I was unforgiving. It meant that I was the shoulder to cry on and didn't have a safe space to cry in, you know? So I'm learning now that I need people to thrive. I need people. So that's, that's, that's a big thing for me that I've learned in this season, that I need people I absolutely need people to be able to function and to be able to thrive and to be a functioning part of society. And it's okay for me to need people. It's okay for me to be open to love. It's okay for me to allow people to love me and to be, and, and, and that's fine. That's, that's, it's great. It's, you know, and that's beautiful. And I feel so good about that. And it's amazing to me to have that moment. And then I think another takeaway would be just to go buy the book, y'all. Go buy it. Go read it. It's available on Amazon um, as an ebook. It's $9.99. And then as a paperback, you can get it for $13. Go go buy the book. Go read it. I'm telling you, it's about it's a good read. You can spend maybe an hour and a half or two hours in it. It's it's small but powerful, small but mighty. It's packed full of, of wonderful information that um I think will be life changing because it's still ever changing me. Um, I partner with Holy Spirit to write the book. And so I believe that we all can, can learn from it because it's very evident that I'm still learning from even my own story. Um, and um, it's okay. 
Um, I think one other thing that I would like to say, especially specifically for our generation, for millennials, is that um, we, because we deal with a lot of pressure. We deal with a lot of pressure to, um, to be perfect. We deal with a lot of um, pressure. Uh, and we, we do a lot of pretending as well. Um, and I think social media has a, a big part to play in that. Um, I want to say to us that it's okay to be your authentic self. It's okay to be you. It's okay to love God and to love, you know, to love people. It's okay. It's okay to fully walk into who you are and the purpose that he has called you to be. And you don't have to. You don't have to go with the crowd. You don't have to try to fit in. Um, be you. Just be your unique set. So show up in the world. Show up. Be, be who you are. And I'm get, and I, when I say I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that when you're your authentic self, people care more about that than they care about anything else. So I think that's, you know, I think that's a, well, all I got to say other than follow me <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook at fruitful.poetic.light. Um, you can check out some content on my website at www.fruitfulpoeticlight.com. Um, follow the the podcast Confessions of a Young Adult's Life. The podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast at, you should be able to find me. Um, and then uh, chat with me. You know, follow up, y'all. Talk to us. Let us know what's going on. Give us some feedback. You know, um, we want to hear from you, Jamie. I also want to say I appreciate you taking time out to do this for a second time today. I think this conversation was better than the first, though. I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, and so I appreciate it. Jamie, make sure you tell the people your stuff. Let them know. Sure. Um, well, thank you for the opportunity again. This is uh, such a wonderful moment in your life. And I'm, as I said before, just grateful to be able to share it with you. Um, so thank you for letting me in. Um, gosh, you all can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, literally at, I'm Jamie Crockett. Um, I'm also the founder of Shining Light Media, so you can also follow those pages as well. Um, I do also have a podcast that I've been working on and building called Our Version of Events. You know, we have had another East St. Louis native on there, Kara Johnson, talking about her um, growing up and coming to, 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 to age experiences in East St. Louis and, and what she's doing now. Um, and so I'm just really excited about being able to help people tell their stories and handing over the mic. Um, and thank you, Bree, for allowing me to do that um, and enacting my purpose. I get so excited about being able to do this. So I thank you You're for so um, that, that in my life. So I really appreciate that. And yes, family, friends, country people. We are so glad that you took the time to join in on this discussion. If there are questions, please, wherever you're watching this, feel free to leave us some comments, tag us so we can respond to you. If there's, there will be other videos and other aspects and outlets that we'll be having and continuing this conversation because Absolutely. we're going to talk about some of these entanglements. Girl, look. Girl, look. Y'all can y'all can hear about some of my entanglements on the yeah. podcast. Sure, it's called um, you know, 
those I think it's the the name of the episode is those several times I was entangled yes. <laughs> story times <laughs> you can hear about some of it you can hear about even more of them in depth in the book so go check it out if y'all want to hear about that but yeah yeah we have to have that conversation yes, um I think that that would be a good conversation to have especially with our generation and how we <laughs> how we do things now and how relationships work so I think that that would be perfect absolutely so yeah Thank you all for being here. Thank you. We, you. we really appreciate your time. We do love you. And please stay safe, you and your loved ones.